Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends of all ages, welcome back to your weekly Pearl Jam podcast, PJ's Black Circle. I don't know why I just said it like that, but it sounded yeah, like it really. needed to be good. Yeah, it was good, dude. You know, I was, I was listening to some old like Casey Kasem uh, last week. I'm like, man, that guy's voice, he's got it down. He's dude, so is that guy one of the most distinguished voices of all time, Casey Kasem? And you know what's crazy is we've been watching, uh, you know, Little Man's like eight. So for the past couple years, we're watching a lot of old cartoons that we used to watch. So Scooby-Doo is a big one. And I totally forgot that Casey Kasem did the voice of Shaggy forever. I did not know that. And other voices in a lot of different cartoons like during that era, like he, he wasn't just relegated to radio. So he did a lot of, um, yeah. So nerdy trivia, nerdy Casey Kasem trivia, you know? <laughs> okay, so I used to watch Saved by the Bell, one of my favorite all-time <laughs> guilty pleasures as a young yeah, adult. Yeah, nice. And even and even as a full-grown adult, I actually like kind of watching some of those old, old videos. Kelly, Kelly! And, and <laughs> yeah, it's so funny seeing A.C. Slater and those guys right now. It's hilarious, but... Yeah, uh, Casey Kasem makes a cameo in the like season one, and they did like some dance-a-thon. So he came into the Valley High School. No, it wasn't Valley Bayside, and did yeah. some cool thing. It was super funny, man. They, I don't know, just popped in my head when you were saying that. So yeah, no, it's great. <laughs> well, this is not the uh, Pearl Jam Casey Kasem uh, episode podcast show today. Uh, so tangent, you know, it's been a while since we went off on a little bit of wherever but as you all know listening that's how we do sometimes but we are going to be kind of talking a little bit about the fringes of reality when it comes to Pearl Jam and some of their songs so Wes put together this really gnarly assignment that I have to admit I was not pumped to do because there was just some songs I just I just wanted to bury and leave yeah. for dead. I didn't yes. want to. I didn't want to readdress them. I didn't even want to listen to them. But I, I went through your entire list last night, and it was good that I did. And so I'm actually uh, re-energized and rejacked to uh, talk about some of the total just outskirts of what. I would consider to be, you know, Pearl Jam songs, Pearl Jam soundtracks, things like that. So hit us with the assignment you gave me, you dirty little monkey. Right. So we did our foul balls episode, which we had a fun thing, time to pull some uh, some, some songs out of the out of the, the studio albums that we thought maybe we don't need to listen to. But the caveat, the big caveat for that one was that we could not select some of these outliers whether it was Bugs or uh, Untitled or I'm Open. And, and it looks like, it just feels like e- each album has a handful of these or at least one. And throughout the time I've been listening to Pearl Jam, these outliers just have yet to be addressed really by anybody. No mm-hmm. one has ever really, I don't know, maybe they have. Maybe they've talked to Ed or the band about Bugs or Anna Danavita or the Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama. That's me song. But those three specifically, and those four in, in, in Vitology, I've always been so confused about, you know, 
And when I was such a young kid listening to these, I'm like, why are these songs on here? This doesn't make any sense. What right. are they trying to do here? And again, I just don't seem to have any sort of good reason and, and information from anybody of what these mean. So I'd like to spend a few minutes today. It may not be the most exciting, but I think there's some there's some discovery here that can be done. And you're right. It was a difficult task. This week was not very enjoyable. Listening for <laughs> seven minutes of Hey, Foxy Mop, Handle Mama, That's Me. And that's a big one. Like That's going to spend a lot of our time today. It's going to be painful, but... <laughs> please, it is. listeners, yeah, please, listeners, re- remind these are not our lyrics and these are not our our ideologies. We need to preface that because there's some weird stuff in this one. Okay, first, you know, I I'm all down for weird, and it's yeah. okay to be weird. And I think it was a really good uh, example of a band in their 20s being weird, having fun. Maybe they were bored. Maybe they were just like. You know, I got one word for you. Why these are all there? Drugs, bro. Give me some. Sure. Give me some drugs, you damn dirty hippie. And they were uh, having a good time. And and you know, I can I can envision three thirty in the morning in a studio. Just people are just wiped out, whatever, and just whatever comes across the the six string, whatever comes across the microphone will just. It is what it is. And so on on one hand, kudos to them to just like, fuck it, dude. I'm just going to put whatever I want out there and I'm going to put it in a CD and whatever. No repercussions, right? They're just going to go for it. Yeah, because considering <laughs> what they just can't like verse sold, I think it became platinum in like two weeks or even like quickest time ever. And they're on this huge rise. They're this mega band. And then. Brightology, of course, is is one of the I think one of the top albums. But you have four of these songs that are just so misplaced, yeah. And it's really like you said, it's a really courageous or I don't give a shit mentality yeah. of right. If, hey, you know, this is what we wanted to put in there. Producer, obviously, of the record thought it was worthy to put in there, but man, I, I anybody I talk to Pearl Jam that that song always comes up. Yeah, I, I have, yeah, always. What the hell is this? Now, have you got I didn't do too much research in the aspect of looking, uh, you know, maybe on like old interviews when the band was asked, like, what the hell was this? Now, did you get any information on that? Like, have have you read anything? No, I haven't. Figure out any responses. Okay, I have I have no information of the rationale you mentioned. Okay, so if you like dive into bugs, you can probably you could probably point to a drug related kind of mentality there. Yeah. But oh yeah. Pri- pri- <laughs> to, I tried to look up what Anadenavita means and doesn't exist. Okay. <laughs> it could be just a made up word unless you have something. So again, I think we're going to bounce around a bit today. Yeah, uh, yeah. But go ahead. Tell me what you've discovered on, on a few of these. Well, let's bounce because I have some totally outlandish theories that have no place in real life and they're probably, you know, and they don't mean anything. Right. So, We'll start with, you know, your Hey, Foxy, Mop, yeah, Handle, let's Mama, start there. That's Me. So, okay. Played zero times. Played zero times live. Okay. Which is good. Because I don't know live. how they're going to replicate the voice of, like, some, like, little girl in the beginning and just all this random stuff. So, fine. Please don't play it live. I'm totally okay with that. But for me, when I was halfway through the song, I was thinking, and it could just be that, 
you know, we're a month away from fall and, you know, Halloween's coming and all this stuff. But have you seen, I don't know why my brain went here. Have you seen Joaquin Phoenix do the Joker? Have you watched that movie yet? I have watched about half. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he's awesome in that movie. Now, I don't know why this came to me, but I had this vision that this is the soundtrack in the Joker's brain going 24 7 365 and why he's so insane. So I know that Eddie is a big, huge Batman fan collector, right? Oh, okay. Um, he's he's he loves the Batman. When I was lucky enough to go to Eddie's house, right? And do some work out there. Of course, I wasn't like going through this house and doing all this like weird stuff. The owner I was working for let me know that, hey, Eddie, kind of, you know, he likes Batman and stuff. And and I was like, oh, OK, cool, cool, cool. So the on the chance that I had the opportunity to meet him, I might have told this story before, but I had this old 1970s matchbox car of the original Batmobile. It was like the very original one. So when I went over there, I took it with me. I had it in my pocket. So after we got done with the day's work and, you know, we were shooting some hoops with Ed and hold on one and all this. Hold stuff. on. Hold on. OK, take a pause here because I have not heard this. You were shooting hoops and playing 21 with Eddie Vedder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We were over there. This is the time where he had his mohawk. Okay, so this is binaural ish time. So at the end of the workday, I was out back sweeping in the area where he has his basketball court out on the back of his house, which is really pretty cool. And he's got like some sports stuff out there. And, you know, for me, I respect this guy's privacy, like in Pry 2, when he's saying, P-R-I-V-A-C-Y, P-R-I-V-A-C-Y. I wanted to ask about that. I I couldn't figure out what he's even saying. Yeah. So he's spelling out privacy. Okay. He's spelling out privacy and it's priceless to me, right? So that's because, you know, I'm sure when Ed's looking at stuff, he's looking up words in in the dictionary. So when you say, you know, the word pry, basically you're getting a little bit too close into someone's business. Right. So... Again, I don't think Eddie is ever going to hear this. I don't think anyone in the band's ever going to hear this on the offshoot that they do. I got mad respect and I'm not trying. I don't want to be in people's business because I know how much Eddie enjoys his anonymity. He wants to be a normal guy. He wants to just be able to walk down the street and not have people bug him. And I get it, dude. It's got to be a crazy ass life. Anyway, so so I don't want to give out too don't, many details yeah, don't, about don't, what's yeah, around go, his yeah. abode. But right. So we start chopping it up a little bit and there's a couple basketballs out there and, you know, I was just kind of dribbling. So he comes out and we just kind of start shooting some hoops. Right. And what was kind of cool about it, I'm not the tallest guy, but Eddie is about an inch shorter than me, which okay. was, did you Great. reject him? Reject yeah, his like three times. It was so awesome, dude. <laughs> and he did the same to me. But I'm in like work boots and just like I don't have tennis shoes on. I got nothing. And, you know, this is his home court. So when he's, uh, you know, kind of driving the lane, 
the um the the hoop was kind of on the cement outer side of his wall so he would actually like run towards the wall put a foot up on the wall kind of jump out and back and you know kind of do like i'm like this is kind of where he gets his skills on stage right so he was doing some really cool like jumps and things like that which was like totally totally cool and so we played a couple games I won a couple times, so I was just... It, it was like that Make-A-Wish Foundation moment. Like, if you could choose anything, <laughs> I would be like, I just want to play basketball with Eddie Vedder. And so did it you give him the? Did you give him the Dominic... The, Dominic Dikembe Mutombo no, shake? No, when you no. <laughs> no I, I think Dikembe was actually playing at the time because that's how long ago <laughs> right. it was. Uh, not, my, not today. <laughs> so... Uh, so we were playing for a while and it was just really cool. And and in the back of my mind the whole time, I'm just like, because at the time I was very active and I was shooting a lot of hoops and playing a lot of ball. And I'm like, I do not want to fucking injure this guy. I don't want to hack him. I don't want to bump into him. I don't even want like really want to touch him at all, dude. I don't like want to D up on this guy. I'm just like... Oh, what happened to this tour? Well, there was this like freak oh, basketball injury in the backyard and broke my ankle. I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. Right. So anyway, at the end, when we had to leave, which in hindsight, I never should have went to work that day. I just should have stayed out there and hung out and tried to develop. Yeah, you just quit. quit on the I should have, yeah, dude. It was the <laughs> moment in your life you go back to. I'm like, ah, why did I choose to be responsible and go to work? I should have just stayed there and hung out and maybe we would have been baller friends. I'm just yeah. dreaming. It's a pipe dream. But on the way out, I just want to say, hey, man, uh, thanks for having us and thanks for letting us, you know, like shoot hoops. And I was like, I know you're not big on, you know, gifts and things like that, but I heard you were a Batman fan and I just wanted to give you this uh, Batmobile. Uh, maybe you can add it to your collection, right? And yeah. he just had this very genuine response of like, you know, he kind of put his head down and he was kind of like, you know, just this really kind of heartfelt like thanks and holy crap like, he didn't want it you know it like he he, he <clears throat> took it you know he took it which was great but i could tell that it was kind of like oh you know you didn't have to do that type thing and and so i you know i gave him this batmobile and so i know somewhere in his house this thing that has my fingerprints on it is there and then Years later, when he was doing a solo tour, you know, I collect posters, right? So there's this one really cool Eddie Vedder poster with the Batmobile on it. So I bought it and I framed it. And one day I will reach out and take a picture and see if I can like send it to the Pearl Jam fan club and be like, hey, I was the kid 25 years ago that gave you the Batmobile. And this is what I have in the house to remember myself of you. Anyway. I know he likes Batman. I have this feeling he likes the Joker. He's got to get wild on the on the microphone, right? So I, I'm sure he's got this kind of like evil inspiration, this kind of like seedy thing. And so I just have this feeling that that whole song, it's just so fucking trippy that this is the type of shit that goes through the Joker's brain while he's going throughout his day. And so that's kind of... 
Okay. My feeling on that song, it's just a total mushroom acid trip. Yeah. Song that like if you're listening to that on mushrooms, dude, you're you're done for. Just you're yeah. never coming out of that. <laughs> you know, so. Well, first off, what an awesome story that was. And I don't know how I can even shift from that because the way I interpret it is actually slightly slightly more personal level because Every time we talk about a live, you know, you tell me, and I still have yet to understand where you're coming from on this, but you tell me it's about this, this kid and his, his mom's hitting on his, on him. And when you were saying hitting on him, are you saying like physically hitting him or like sexually hitting on him? Yeah, like romantically. Okay. Okay. So that's maybe where I'm putting this in the chamber here, because if I've I read some of the, I was able to transcribe i'd say some of the lyrics right and if you're telling me that is some of the hidden closet stuff of alive where his mom is was romantically you know hitting on him you know there's some stuff in here again like it's very depressed uh very kind of disturbing <laughs> lyrics i don't it's even want to disturbing. say them. yeah but but again, if you read into it, like one of the things is like, of course, at the very beginning of it, right? And again, preface the listeners if you don't want to listen, hear this stuff, but it's like, spank me. That's the only thing I want so much. Right. And then he says, why is that better than being hugged? Yeah. And then he says, because you get closer to that person. It's yeah, like sex. Yeah. Love it. Man, dude, like nasty. When, when I was listening to that, I was thinking when you first had said that about alive, I was like, maybe again, maybe Ed is trying to share some more stuff about his past. I don't know. Again, this is my own interpretation. It could not, maybe it's not about him. Maybe it's about just this, this weird situation. But um, again, that has some, maybe it's side connection there. Yeah. So if you just read the lyrics with, before even hearing the song, could be like that could be a good song i mean it's definitely you know it's it's got some sex in it it's got some craziness in it but the fact that it sounds like a seven-year-old girl saying the lyrics i'm like it's like wah wah this is just like super terrible you know and so yeah the whole song's totally weird again they don't need to do it live i don't need that one on my bucket list it's totally fine here's the deal though here's the deal (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some some of the best artists, whether they're um, they write poems or they write music or they draw paintings, mm-hmm. have said like one of the most one of the most like intense emotions is like disturbia, right? Yeah. Some, I mean, this is a pure artist move to do something that's so disturbing that you almost yeah. can't look away or you don't even want to. It's it's a really cathartic experience to listen to that. And because then it forces you to be disturbed, like it forces you yep. to be grossed out. Yeah. And that's yeah. a real artist thing to do. Yes. Yes. And knowing the band, you know, they, they, they're, they're very creative on a number of different levels. They all have their own niche and, you know, there's, there's darkness in life too, you know, it's, and, and that balance and being able to address that really kind of deepest, nastiest part of yourself, you know, it's going to be 
cleansing in a way, right? I mean, you have to be able to get that stuff out. And you've said this before, you know, a couple episodes ago, you know, hey, it's not about the money for these guys. A lot of times it's just the music. They just got to get the stuff out because if they don't get it out, it's going to kill them, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, super crazy song. Bugs is another one that's a super crazy song, too. Of course, it's just the constant accordion. That would be one of those songs I would imagine they would play at like Guantanamo for the prisoners. Okay. Put that on like 24 okay. 7. You know, I, I know they do that with like Metallica songs, right? Dude, but they do. <laughs> you, okay, so you teed that up perfectly. Uh, um, okay, they played that song three times. Okay, live. They played it three times. And when I was in college, okay, I had a friend whose brother was in a frat. And it was probably in the early mid nineties. So like 96, 95, just when Vitalogy comes out. Right. Mm -hmm. And he was telling me this story that the initiation to this frat was you had to go to like the basement of this house with your other frat buddies, the uh, people that were coming in, um, new newcomers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you couldn't eat for 24 hours. And in 24 hours, they had bugs on repeat. Screw that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so they, this guy listened to Bugs, you know, in around probably 200 times uh, in a row. But like you said, that does sound obviously like some sort of torture. And of course it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> right. Uh, but that, yeah, that's a, that's a weird one too. And when I was listening, I watched this documentary just yesterday and they were talking and it had some stuff about yield mostly, but they were saying, at least Stone had said that starting in kind of yield, maybe it was Jeff, you know, the whole band started kind of writing music before at least, and they even meant an emphasis on album three was driven mostly by Ed and his guitar. Mm. No mm -hmm. one else was really writing any lyrics, at least. And they did identify, they didn't say Vitology, but they said the third album was very Ed and his guitar. And I've also heard that on the PJ-20 too, when yeah. Um, when Stonehead said they kind of gave up creative control to Eddie. Um, but I think now they're doing more collective stuff. But highlights to four very strange songs that found themselves on Vitology. Yeah, yeah. And Bugs is another one for me. Like if I was going to, you know, that's another Mushroom Trip song, right? And so, you know, when you read the lyrics, you know, yeah, if you're frying and you're in your bed, you might see bugs. You might see stuff crawling around your room and you just might want to get naked and be one of the bugs, like they say at the end of the song. And it's it's just it's out of bounds, dude. And and so I've seen people at the concerts and they're holding up the sign, you know, play bugs. I'm like, that's when I'm. I'll go get my beer at that time. It's like, fine, whatever. It's cool. But on the funkier side, if you want to get a little groovy, right? right. Mm -hmm. uh, so your I da da Benavita. Benavita. It's got Benavita. a funky, it's got a funky little sound to it, doesn't it? Okay. So it kind of reminds me, you know, that band fish pH fish. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been to a couple fish shows. 90s right so it's got that really kind of fish groovy feel and i just kind of when i was listening to it again last night i was like oh yeah that kind of has this trey anastasio type kind of guitar and this feel to it if if pearl jam never made it as a rock band 
they maybe could have been uh, kind of a very good groovy or like a rockabilly type thing because you yeah. got the you got the evil little goat song, which is a very kind of Elvisy, you know, rockabilly type feel. And then you got the and then you got the groovy fish side. And, and so, you know, they're taking inspiration from a lot of different bands. But this song, I Danavita, Dan Vanita. It's mm-hmm. like Van Nita, Dan Vanita. Um, it sounded very Spanish to me. And it so because I it took has, a lot of yes. Spanish and I'm like, well, that's not a Spanish word. I can't track it. it down. I can't track it. So. Down. OK. This is the worst because, theory of all time. Because I think. Hold on. Yeah, because I think all the, the entire lyrics are just Vita, like the whole song is just somebody saying that in the background is how I'm hearing it. Unless okay. I'm wrong here. So good. Yeah. Tell me your theory. All right. This is the worst theory of all time. And this is total BS. I reversed and I spelled the whole song backwards. Okay. Okay. So I spelled it backwards and I was able to break it down into three words. Interesting. Which is totally I'm super in- intrigued by this. This is <laughs> this is again, guys, this is total bull crap. This is midnight fucking around with words trying to figure shit out okay this this can't even be right and if it is i am a master magician so so when you take when you flip it around and you go a-t-i-n so atin atin is an acronym for so if there are kids that are adopted and they don't and say the parents have a hard time finding their original birth certificate for ID purposes. They will give them what's called a tax ID at a number for adoption. And it's a way of identifying basically people that don't have families, right? Wow. Foster okay. kids, right? Okay. So I'm like, okay, well, they're, all right, that's kind of weird. All right. And all right. maybe, some... maybe, you know, like you said, Eddie was around like foster kids and maybe mm-hmm. there was, okay, maybe they were having a hard time being identified. So anyway, you got that. And then the next little part, you've got Nava, N-A-V-A, which in Hebrew that is a breakdown for a, a girl's name or a lovely girl's name is Nava, right? Okay. So you've got that. So now you got a girl. Mm-hmm. Now we got a girl in there. Okay. That maybe doesn't have a home and she needs a tax ID number. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, okay. We are, yeah. All right. And, and the last four letters is D-E-Y-A for uh, Daya, which... Also in Hebrew, it means of God, right? Mm-hmm. It's a shortened version of Yahweh, right? So okay. maybe you have this girl back in the day who was so beautiful that maybe mm-hmm. she was sent by the Lord, but no one knew who she was and had to live in the United States and needed a wow and needed some type of verification. I don't know, dude, it's total crap. But anyway, I broke it down into three words. I've got foster kids. I've got a beautiful girl and I've got the Lord all wow. in there backwards to groovy fish music. So, there you go. I don't know what that is. Hey, means. kudos to bringing something on that because <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, this was a mystery to me too. So you've at least uncovered the pride to what he's saying there. And 
the uh, you've unlocked the <laughs> the meaning to Anna Denavita. So sure. well done. Yes. Well done. Yes. Totally. No problem, bro. <laughs> so let's get let's let's move from Vitology because there's yes. you mentioned Evil Little Goat. So Evil Little Goat came into the reissue of Ten, and the original release of Ten. Go. Yeah, the original release of Ten. Little Goat. And of course, even the had the intro to Wants. Yes. And the outro of release mm-hmm. is got that same little baseline, right? Right. The same nice little little walk there that Jeff plays. Before we get into Evil Little Goat, I wanted to just ask a question on the intro outro to the original release of 10 is I think the idea behind that is that you mentioned to it before when they played once before or uh, the as the opening song to a concert, they yeah. would play they would play that that cool little, uh, that little yeah. bass line. Mm-hmm. I have to imagine if that's because the, I could imagine how that would be a cool little, how that concert would start like a nice yeah. little build, a really awesome buildup. Yeah. So maybe the idea there was let's treat the CD, the album, like you would have a concert. Here's a sure. build up. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I love the, that funky bass line and that would be a cool one. Even if it was extended, to um say four minutes and it was just instrumental just the intro and maybe song they intro right and maybe they just already have something like that i'm sure on the book somewhere they just kind of keep playing that you know in the studio over and over again use it in the beginning use it in the end but uh yeah very very cool again something that was kind of unprecedented at the time to have this really kind of slow kind of almost like this not otherworldly type feel but you know and then be able to drop right into once which will just light you up real Mm -hmm. quick get the juices flowing so yeah that is that is a pretty cool aspect of of 10 for sure yeah i agree so moving to the the redux where you have evil little goat and 2000 miles blues so they've played evil little goat one time live yeah so that one time i was there i was there dude yeah really nice my thought on evil little goat is this is a a tribute to the billy goat curse of the chicago cubs oh okay so they were um i think it was yeah so they were like kind of cursed um yes by this this witch that had brought the or not witch this person had this old woman brought the goat to Wrigley and they said you can't bring him in you can't bring the goat into the the stadium right and she said you're cursed you're never going to win a world series ever again bah, 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 bah. so all these cubs fans are like the curse of the evil goat or curse of the billy goat right there it is dude so and then <laughs> i think and then he plays it in Wrigley Right, which would make sense too. Yes, so that's yes. my philosophy. That's my theory on Evil Little Goat. You know, it's so great because I think baseball players are some of the most superstitious sports players of any sport. Having played ball for so long, there's so many different superstitions. Everything from a story like that to if you're on a winning streak, you know, like for you don't me, wash your pants. You don't wash your pants. Yeah. Well, (laughs) for me, I washed the pants, but even more disgusting. I wore the same socks for like 11 straight games until we lost. And at the end, they were just like burlap sacks and just like totally disintegrated. But I'm telling you, dude, 
baseball fans are are crazy. We even uh, when we put a new home plate in in high school, we dug it up and we all had our special little totems that we put under home plate and buried in there. So remember those old like uh, baseball action figures that were just kind of like stills. Anyway, I put. Yeah, so I put in. I think I had a Roger Clemens ones that I put in there. I have a I have a Bo Jackson one. Yeah, so mine is buried in the field forever, (laughs) which is cool. Super superstitious. So I I that is so awesome, dude. Yeah, I love that so much. Yeah, and then the two thousand mile blues doesn't sound like a Pearl Jam song, and I don't know why when they do the Redux when they reissued ten why those two found found themselves on that album. But anyway, I'm not a big fan of two thousand mile blues. The only thing that really kind of sticks out for me in there is when Mike starts to hit some of the solos. It's very, it's slight, but it's very pseudo Jimi Hendrix ish licks that he's performing in there. So there's a little bit of the slide guitar at the beginning. So that's kind of my theory is like, like I said, if if they couldn't be an uh, an awesome crazy rock and roll band. They, they've always got a backup and a little bit of like the rockabilly, a little bit of bluesy or, you know, a pseudo funky groovy fish tribute band. Nice. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> totally rad. All right, let's All move right, on. Keep going. Okay, so, keep yeah, going. so we've, we've covered 10. <laughs> that also, there's no quite like theoretical or there's no outlier in verse. I can't find one in verses. You might consider WMA kind of have a different kind of feel to it, but right, I right. think that's a legitimate song. Yes. And then you get into Vitology. Of course, we've addressed those. But now we're looking into No Code. And there's two two really cool songs in No Code. So we'll we'll start with Lucan because Lucan definitely doesn't sound like a typical Pearl Jam song. Right. But man, that has a like a cult following to that song. It does. And it's a really cool story. So my understanding is Matt Lucan, I think, was a part of Mud Honey. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that right? Um, I want to say yes, and I'm pretty sure that's what I researched, and that was earlier in the year. So he's in that musical community. He's sure. in the community, yeah. So he's yeah. in the Seattle community. So he's a buddy that the band, and of course Eddie was close with, and Matt Lucan, I guess, is told you know, is always kind of, kind of joking with Ed, like you can't write a punk song, Ed. Like you can't write a song that's less than three minutes long. So he took that challenge to write Lucan and it's obviously super high, high pace. Yeah. You can barely recognize the lyrics. Yes. And, and it's two and out two minutes and 15 seconds or even less than that one out, you know, one very, very short. Right. But if you do hear that, we heard it at the Seattle show when we went, when we were at the key, which I loved it. But if anybody ever has a chance to YouTube the slow version of Lucan, have you, have you done this? Yes, it's quite the anomaly and another song that has a crazy evolution. So when the strings start oh, and you got kind dude. of the quartet playing, you, you obviously the first time I, I heard it when it was very slowed down, of course, I did not know what they were playing right. until you started hearing I'm some of the... Yes, then, and you're just you like... Out. Wow, that is such a cool turnaround. Such a, such a great jam. And yes, to anybody who wants to do a little homework, you will never, you will, you'll never get tired of hearing that that version of Lucan. 
It's crazy. It's right? crazy good. And so the sto- I guess the story is, of course, I think I've said this where he had some stalker issues. Yep. Uh, after a handful of albums. So he would kind of crash at Matt Lucan's house because this person like basically tried to drive their car into his house. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of yep. an interesting thing. And, and then they fa- he finds out this person has a gun. And so he's kind of freaked out. And this is right at the same time when Neil Young was doing the thing with Mirrorball and Merkinball. So cool. Interesting song. Again, I think it's a definitely a listen to if you want to listen to that slow down. It version. is it is trippy when you actually go and analyze the lyrics because, you know, he lost his keys. Right. And then he took a walk and he called himself a dumbass for doing that. And right. then uh comes home and his front door is open. Right. Yeah. Uh which that could be a, a real part of the story, or it could just be, you know, a creative aspect to the song. And then, of course, you got to call the cops and you figure out this person's actually just purchased a gun. And you wonder why he's wants to keep his privacy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, super scarring. And, you know, I've thank the Lord I've never gone through anything like that. I couldn't imagine that. That's something that I don't think will ever go... It, there's always a little part of that would stick with you. It's just traumatic, you know, but well, it made for a crazy song. Right. Just think <laughs> of how, how vulnerable he's trying to be on lyrics. And he's been on the record of saying, you know, he's kind of put himself in this situation because he's been so vulnerable and he's shared so much and, and mm-hmm. people, and people gravitate to what he's saying. And of course that, that catered itself to people idolizing him. And yes. this person here. So, yes. And then, yeah. And then if you move on to I'm open, which is another, I'd yes. say outlier to, to no code, which I've recently really found, um, found that to be a really enjoyable song. Very poetic. It's almost, he's reading a poem at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a really interesting kind of thing. Uh, one of the, the cool little parts of that song where he says, cause the old saying is like, if I only knew now or then what I knew now, but mm-hmm. he switches it around. Like he says, if I only knew now what I knew then I think it's kind of a cool little uh, spin of that. that Boy, saying. that's life right there, man. Yeah, man. That is, yeah. that is so true for so many things. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I'm open is really kind of cool because it does have that spoken word style. Right. And it is this kind of spoken word poem. So I'm open has this really, this really ethereal kind of feel to it. It's almost like if you slowed some of it down and you took out the words, I kind of feel like it'd be like the background kind of soundtrack if I'm on the massage table. Yeah, it's just okay. like super chill. Like, like if that was going on in the background, I'd be like, you know, and they kind of tweaked a little bit, you know. So again, Pearl Jam wasn't a rock band. They could do rockabilly. They could do fish grooves <laughs> and they spa could, music and spa music. So it's totally <laughs> awesome. But it does have this very kind of Sky Cries Mary, Mazzy Star type feel to it, which is really cool. And that was uh, a very popular sound at the time that this came out so it is a good one it is a good one and he will eddie will periodically use something like that in some shows especially some of his solo stuff you'll kind of pick up little pieces of that i've seen that where he'll tie in 
I'm open, coming yeah. into some of his slower songs, which is really cool. But it is I, really cool. I do think that is a really amazing little poem. If you because he does a, such a great job in almost allowing you to be in this in this room where he says like when he's six, he believed the moon kind of followed him around. Like you can imagine that, right? Trading in magic for fact. Like you can imagine that. Like. You know, I it's think so the, cool, man. It's such a I cool think, jam. Yeah, it is cool. And I I have this memory of the time when I realized kind of maybe life was, I don't know if life was hard or life, you know, you're growing up is I, well, there's two things. So one year I wrote a um, letter to Santa. Okay. Okay. All right. And usually I would... I'd give it to the parents, right? And uh, hey, people out there, I'm not saying there's not a Santa. There's St. Nicholas, and he is mystical, and he is awesome, and he comes every year, and he unloads cool things in our house. So we'll keep the kids happy. But one year I was having a little self-doubt, so I wrote a letter, and I kind of stuck it behind my lamp where it's like I knew it was there. And sure, shit, I know Santa would be able to find it because he's fucking magical, right? Mm -hmm. So it just stayed there. Night after night, it just kind of stayed. It stayed and it never went away, right? Christmas kind of came and went and then the letter just never moved. Whereas in years previous, it had kind of moved before and kind of went away. So that was kind of my first realization. I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't, you know, adulthood's kind of coming or realities kind of coming in and that was kind of a, a sad <laughs> a sad thing another one was i used to watch a lot of bmx racing and all of, like the freestyle stuff and i had this cool poster on my wall dudes doing all these tricks and one morning i just woke up and i just started crying and i realized i would never ever be able to do any of the stunts that these guys are doing and so again another realization of adulthood or life or that things you think are going to go the way you plan is not going to go the way you plan. So it is a kind of good poem about this reality kind of smacking you in the face a little bit and waking you up. <laughs> right. It's, it, it is, it is the perfect song of the life is no more fun. Mm. It was so much more fun when I was a kid and no worries in the world. I could believe in Santa Claus or I, I could believe in, and the moon was just for me, things like this. And yes. then yes. like he says in here shortly you know, by nine, he's deciphered this illusion, trading magic for fact, no trade backs. Can't go back. Now life is serious and now it's got responsibility. And I bet in his, when he's writing this, he's putting like, I wish I could go back when I was six. Yeah, I have to deal with this. And this it's is when it was fun. It's bullcrap, dude. Like little man, he's eight and a half. So he's going to be nine and a half a year. Does that mean like I can't play with the WWE toys anymore and like have like major Royal Rumbles in the front room? I'm like, dude. come on, dude. We got to keep that. We got to keep the, that going. I just I just see it slowly coming to an end. It's yeah. Sad. Well, I mean, like, just no. on, a, on, a, on a personal note, like we have this little cul-de-sac and we have this really great little group of friends, these little kids. And my son's five and the other kids are around eight to nine. And we played a pickup little soccer game yesterday in the cul-de-sac and then played some touch football. And I was like, I felt like a kid again. That was a lot of fun, yeah. man. I was yeah. schooling them all, schooling them all, of course. <laughs> Just knocking down <laughs> eight-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> 
But that again, that takes it. That took me back to playing street football when I was seven years yeah. old. Oh yeah, and when life was enjoyable. I'm not saying life's not enjoyable. Right? It's a different type of enjoyment, but it is. It was it is. simpler. Yeah. Simple no, life. it's it's a good it's a good song. I I I do appreciate that one in the catalog. Yeah. So mm-hmm. then you then you move into yield, and there's so untitled, right? So untitled is just a cool little kind of instrumental. I love with, that song. Well, so okay, so there's like two that. versions of untitled. You get the live version of untitled, which mm-hmm. is like the the Eddie. He's talking to the Ramones guy mm-hmm. like hey i called johnny. you 15 johnny ramon thank you yep could have been there 15 minutes ago love that part love that version but this yeah. is the studio version which is just i think stone in the background saying we're crazy we're all crazy mm. uh, for about a minute and a half so untitled has changed the way it's it's delivered for sure. i like untitled i need to learn that one on the acoustic that's one that you know it seems like it'd be pretty easy to do the first time I heard that was on the live on two legs album, which was actually an album that was released. And that album, if you haven't listened to it, is so freaking good. I remember when it first came out, I think I was a freshman in college. I was in the dorms. I needed something. I got a fresh new Pearl Jam and I was just jamming. And then when I heard this song, I was like, I've never heard that before. Where did that song come from? I never, you know, and it was, so it was kind of a cool moment where I was like, Ooh, something new. And it was cool and fun. And so I really do like the untitled, uh, version. Um, so keep practicing that one, Wes. Yeah. Yeah. Send that one over, dude. I need that one. It is, it leads up. It's, it's played the exact same way that, uh, MFC is. It's a beautiful little rendition that they do. Like you said, I heard that on live on two legs, which I think was kind of like the start of, cause I think, Pearl Jam's like, people love us live. People love what we're doing live. Like, let's give them what they <laughs> yeah. want. And it kind of yeah. started this whole bootleg thing. So, yes. Anyway, and then wow, you move what in, an adventure. Yeah, yeah. Right. So then you move into Push Me, Pull Me, which it kind of has a similar kind of I'm open feel, but not quite. I mean, it's, it, yeah. it's, it has some of that poetic kind of sound to it. I don't have as much notes on this one if you do. Well, it's a good surfing song, right? It's definitely about the waves kind of coming in and coming out, pushing me, pulling me, pushing me, pulling me, right? So um, that's, an, you know, it definitely has uh, that kind of some of those surfer lyrics that's in there. One one lick on the guitar that kind of stood out to me, it, it, I think it's in the second verse. It's a very Adam Jones from Tool sound and so you know i was just like oh man this kind of has this kind of feel like a little bit of a tool song in it which is totally random right but i do like i just wonder how many songs about surfing there actually are we'll have to try and figure that out one day it's like have a little contest see how many like different songs actually whether they're about surfing or not have you know definitely that wave connotation to it i'm sure there's more than two well, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> the the surfing like feeling in itself is very therapeutic. It's being out in again, I am definitely not a pro surfer. I've surfed maybe four times in my life, and I've done it not very well. But it is somewhat <laughs> therapeutic to be in the yeah. in the ocean, 
the salt water and your feet are dangling and you're sitting mm-hmm. there. Yeah, it's very cool, cool experience. So yeah, I can see why yeah. it's, he could he could put that in a lot of his lyrics. Absolutely, dude. All right, keep so, this train yeah. rolling. Right, man. Then we get into Binaural, which I think the Soon Forget song was, I think, one of his, of course, the starting to the ukulele stuff, right? So, Oh, yeah. I've always liked Soon Forget. I think the lyrics are pretty cool, especially- Super the, awesome. Super awesome. It's, it's a big kind of F you to the big giants in the Seattle area, right? So mm-hmm. Paul Allen and Bill Gates. Yeah. And it's, I think I heard a story that Eddie was having some kind of writer's block during that time and was just cranking away on the ukulele. So they found a, he found some creativity there and, and came up with soon forget, like I said, which has got a, now I think he plays it on some, uh, some, probably some solo stuff quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is, it is really cool. And I think that, um, anytime you ever, you know, you get upset with say, people that make too much money and don't carry their worth start, start bombing them with that song in their email, you know, start sending that over a million times. It's, it's good. I thought it was super creative and, uh, Hey, money doesn't buy happiness. So when my wife and I moved back up to the Western Washington area, we lived in a town called Bellevue right downtown. And it's just about 10 miles East of Seattle across Lake Washington. Super beautiful. And this is where the rich of the rich live is in Bellevue, Kirkland mm-hmm. area. Yep. And we lived in this little studio apartment right downtown. And it was very small, but I remember we would go on runs throughout this place called Medina, which is this mm-hmm. town that is connected to Bellevue. And this is basically where the Uber rich live. And I would we would run our little puppy and I would always do like the the super like suburban like big wave to all the people mowing their lawns. Like I felt like I belong there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Ashley's like, what are you trying to, my wife's like, what are you trying to do? Like, yeah. Shall it make, have these people think that you live here? Like, come on, man. Yes, That's- I am actually. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a different realm, man. These people. So then the last, just the last two that I wanted to talk about, which was the, on the self-titled was wasted reprise. Which is the Oregon and Eddie just um, rendition of Life Wasted, which I yeah. actually probably like more than the original version, personally. Mm-hmm. It's really yes. good. I love that B3, you know, yeah. that's when uh, I'm sure Boom came in, showed him a couple cool things on the old uh, B3 uh, harpsichord dealio there that they've got, which is pretty cool. I love the meaning behind that song, man. I do. I, I love the whole idea of being able to move on with your life and move past hard times or feel like, you know, if you had time that you totally wasted, that you could have made better use of your time. And so I I like that idea of... I'm never going to put myself in that position again. I'm never going to, you know, take for granted the time that we have and make the most of what we do every day, as exhausting as it may be, but to really just try to find the best in yourself to, to kind of push forward. So I, I love that one, dude, that I'm all about that. 
Yeah, and this one they play <clears throat> they play alive uh, every now and then, but eighty five times. So probably uh, it's it's one of those songs that doesn't get a lot of play. But I do. I also like Wasted Reprise. Oh and yeah, then the, and then the last one, of course, is um, Ark on Riot Act. So this one was cool because when I had bought the the video of the Madison Square Garden, this also kind of had that like intro kind of feeling to the concert like right ed doing some like cool like native american kind of sounds behind it it's cool it's a cool jam it's like like the end of the wild could be it could be on it arc is very cool the first time i heard it uh was really just enjoying the creativity of it didn't think much of it at the time then when I saw a couple of Eddie's solo shows, he did a live rendition of how he actually does that song. And it's so cool, dude. It's um, so he starts one part at a time. And what he does is he has, I don't know what kind of, I don't even think it's a computer, but he's got some recordable device that's hooked into the speakers that go throughout the whole auditorium or however it's set up. I don't know the technical aspect of it, but he would start recording his voice part first and he'd be going, ah, ah, right. And he'd do that for about 25 seconds, right? And then he'd push a button. And that would still be going. And then he would do a little something on the guitar, right? For about 25, 30 seconds. Push another button. So now the voice is going. Now the guitar is continuously moving. And then he'll pick up another instrument. And you're just like, whoa, what the hell's going on? Because I still hear him singing. I still hear the guitar. He's not doing either of the two. He's moving into a whole nother part of the song maybe a little bit of drums, maybe a little bit of the background effects. And he's piecing together the whole song over like an eight minute span. And he's constantly looping it. Right. Which was, I was like, Oh, that's how you make that, which was super cool. And I just thought that that was the coolest thing live. Uh, years later, I did see Chris Cornell do kind of a, a version not of arc, but of a a looping type of sequence where he was spinning some vinyl. He was actually spinning some vinyl on stage that had some instrumental going on. He would do a little bit of kind of like some background vocal recording, a little bit with the guitar, and they would constantly be using this loop machine to create essentially a one of a kind song, because obviously every time you do it live, it's going to be completely different from the time before. So Arc is a really another innovative step. Again, shows the the breadth and the growth and the creativity of our main man, Ed Vedder. I still feel like I'm on like the two episodes of like how much I love Eddie Vedder. And there's just it never ends, dude. It's just like. Every time I think about it, it just keeps getting better and better, you know, <laughs> because every every song that we've we've talked about, I think Eddie's probably the mastermind behind these. And I think most people, like we said earlier, when it was the in Vitology, those conversations where most people would be afraid to challenge their audience or challenge their fan base 
And yeah. I think it's it's very, very awesome that he's again, he's like, listen, this is who I want this is what I want to put out there. Yeah. And I want to do something interesting that <clears throat> that I would like to do. And I really don't give a shit if that means that one other person's not gonna buy my album. I don't really need that. So right. so right. man, again, for them to have courage to do that so early on with mytology is 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 pretty amazing but you see those type of outlier songs that we've talked about i'm sure there's some other ones but that that capture a lot and kind of make people think why what is this but there's a meaning for it i think he's trying to do something he's trying to tell you something so he's always trying to tell us something dude and even when he's not the main focal point of say a song it's still cool to know that the creativity doesn't stop for instance this past week, you might have seen it. There is a cover of ACDC's Back in Black that came out. And uh, Tom Morello originated it. He got Bruce Springsteen and Eddie Vedder to come and do and help out on the song. Now, the only bummer part I'll say about the song is you never really hear Eddie sing. If he does, it could be extraordinarily faint during some of the um, chorus of the song, but he Eddie's on uh, guitar. Bruce is doing the entire uh, singing of the song, which I have heard him do back in black before, which is awesome. And I've heard Eddie actually do that song before live. And so you got Tom Morello doing his, style of his little wiki 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 you know doing his crazy little rage against machine in that song but it was just really cool that you could have three hall of famers together doing a cover of acdc and even like i said even though he's not a big part of what you hear vocally of the song it's it's just you know that guy it just seems like he's always got to be doing something he's got to be moving it's just constantly has his pedal to the metal and it just never seems to stop. And I just hope it's going to keep going for another 40 years, right? It's my selfish way of Eddie, please work every day for us so we can just continually like bask in your glory. (laughs) You know, sounds good, man. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I don't have anything else about like the total weirdest Pearl Jam. This wasn't that painful. No, it was good. It, no, it was it was good. It was good to get it out. It was good to talk about these songs because, you know, they are definitely songs in the catalog that don't get a lot of love, don't get a lot of notoriety and some of them for, you know, obvious reasons. But um, there are some really good nuggets to a, a big chunk of what we went over. Um, but uh you know, as we move forward, I am not wishing for the redo <laughs> of uh, Stinky Mop Handle. So you can, you, can keep, you can keep the redo away from me. Okay. I'm good with that, dude. <laughs> Sounds good, Daddy. All Sounds right. Good. Much love. That was a, a weird, uh, another weird episode of uh, Pearl Jam's Black Circle. We are approaching the end of season two. And um, we've got uh, kind of some special things for our last one or two episodes for this season. Can't believe uh, we've come this far. And uh, here's to many more, brother. Keep on rocking. 